Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. As we kick off hour number two of the show, the question I threw out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line, of course, we want to hear from you at 69187 keyword RNR. What's the temperature right now, Raider Nation? After two weeks of free agency, how do you feel about the moves the Raiders have made? How do you feel about the direction that Dave Ziegler and company are taking the Raiders as they prepare for the draft in the end of April? A text from the 239 said, I've been preaching patience these past two weeks, and I've been satisfied. They have flexibility flexibility to draft whoever they want and don't need to reach. They can move up for a quarterback if one falls and still fills needs throughout the rest of the draft. They can move back or stay at seven. I think the depth will be important throughout the year and system fits are being emphasized. It's not remotely close to a finished product, but I see the foundation being built. With that being said, joining us now on the phone lines from The Athletic is Ted Wynn, our good friend. You can find him on Twitter at FB underscore Film Analysis. And Ted, thanks so much for your time and your piece is out on The Athletic. It just happens to go with the question we asked today. What are the Raiders doing? Making sense of their off-season moves. So let's go ahead and jump right into it and let's start at the top with Jimmy G. He's a guy that's a quarterback that we know is good. Don't, I'm not going to say he's an upgrade over Derek Carr, but he's a guy that's also been injured. So when you look at the move for Jimmy G, what does he bring to this Josh McDaniels offense that Derek couldn't do? Well, he, he brings familiarity with this offense. He's had success with it. He grew up in this system. Obviously, it's been a long time since he's played in Josh McDaniels' system, so it's not going to be just a seamless uh, transition. It's going to take a little bit of time to get back up to speed. He, he's played in Kyle Shanahan's offense for a long time. Um, and I think he's a little tougher in the pocket than Derek Carr was. But um, I think overall, Derek Carr is the more talented, better quarterback, especially when it comes to uh, just pure arm talent and throwing the ball deep. Um, that's one thing Jimmy Garoppolo really lacks is he just does not throw a lot of deep balls. And, you know, he doesn't have the strongest arm, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, but that's going to be a part of Devontae Adams' game that's not going to be featured as much with Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball just because, uh, he just doesn't have the arm strength to, to do it. Um, so that's going to be a trade-off, but he's a better scheme fit, theoretically, than uh, than Derek Carr. So we'll see whether being a scheme fit or having more talent is going to win out at, at the end of the situation. You know, and the quarter, or the wide receivers that are around, Jimmy, you mentioned Devontae, and, and I said that earlier in the show that really uh, Devontae had never really done a whole lot of the deep ball action like we saw last year uh, with Derek as the quarterback. So uh, I think that that allows Jimmy G to get the ball out of his hand quickly and let Devontae do, you know, the, the yards after the catch. How much does Jacoby Myers help with that as well, being a true number two now? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we see. I kind of see the vision of, of what they're trying to do. They're trying to surround – uh, Jimmy Garoppolo with slot receiver types, which he was surrounded with um, in in San Francisco and in New England. Uh, a bunch of guys that win quickly. They're going to be in a lot of compressed formations. So basically when you're in a compressed formation, everybody's a slot receiver because you're all lined up close to the quarterback. You both have two-way goes. Uh, you're, you're just looking for guys that uh, can create space and, and win right away and allow Garoppolo to get rid of the ball. Uh, so you have guys like that. Devontae Adams, you know, I talked about him being a deep threat, but he also wins quick. He can, he can run the whole route tree. Uh, Jacoby Myers specialized uh, um, in the slot in New England. And obviously you have Hunter Renfro, who, who's great in the slot as well. So all, all those guys can create space quickly and, um, 
and allow Jimmy Garoppolo to get rid of the ball quickly like he's used to doing. Ted Wynn is our guest from The Athletic here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. My man DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, when it comes to Darren Waller, you mentioned something interesting in the piece that he only lined up at 27% as a tight end last season. That was the lowest of his career. So do you think that whoever's going to be the two starting tight ends in this system next season that we should expect him to get less receiving looks? Yeah, I mean, it obviously depends on who, who the tight end is going to be. If it's going to be Austin Hooper, then um, he, you know, he's never been a prolific down, downfield threat. He's a reliable receiver that can give you some production in the passing game, but he's never going to be your number one, number two, um, not, not even number three option. Uh, you know, I, I really think the Raiders will end up drafting a tight end because um, this class is so strong, and I think it's still a need. I think Austin Hooper. Um, is you know it could be a incumbent starter, but he's not a guy that you know is going to be your long term plans. Uh, so I still think they'll draft a tight end, but tight ends are they, they typically take a little longer to develop. Uh, so you know I think Austin Hooper will end up starting the season, uh, but I, I don't think he's going to be your you know number three option. I think he's just going to be a guy that you scheme up some touches for in the red zone. He might be a, a check down option. You might catch a seam ball once in a while. Uh, but he, he's not going to be a huge part of the passing game. And then when it comes to the running backs, we all know Josh Jacobs had a phenomenal season last year, but Josh McDaniels would say, hey, he's used to running back by committee, but Josh was just so good. Do you think that we finally see that running back by committee approach come this coming season? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think it also depends on who steps up as uh, number two back. I mean, if you have a guy that can produce yards like Josh Jacobs, then um, obviously, you know, you, you'll start splitting some of those carries, but Jake's was just so much better than, um, you know, any other back that was on, on the Raiders roster at, at breaking tackles, and it's hard to take away carries from him. Uh, but, uh, you know, I also think maybe he'll scheme up some more touches for him in, in the passing game. One of uh, his plus attributes coming out of Alabama was his ability to catch the ball. Uh, he's been a little inconsistent doing it in the pros, but I, I still think that's a, uh, ability that hasn't yet been exploited in the NFL just yet. And maybe I think next season with Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, all the success he had throwing to Christian McCaffrey, that that gets unlocked a little bit more. So maybe he gets, you know, maybe less carries and a little more touches um, in, in the passing game. Uh, but we'll see who steps up as, as that number two back, if they sign somebody or if one of the guys they already have, um, you know, takes it, takes it up a notch this season. Ted Wynn is our guest from The Athletic here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now let's talk about the big elephant in the room, which is obviously the defensive side of things. The Raiders were not good in 2022. They've ignored that position for a very long time. Right now it's Max Crosby and them, right? It's Max Crosby and everybody else. So what are you seeing from the additions? They just brought in Duke Shelley from Minnesota yesterday. A lot of Vikings fans were upset at that. They brought signed John Jenkins earlier today, defensive tackle. He's a longtime vet in the league. What are you kind of seeing as the vision of what they want to do defensively with just the guys that they've added so far? Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because they haven't made a big, splashy free agent move. Um, but I, I think they've just signed a bunch of solid guys that could be starters. And obviously this defense uh, needs a little bit of both. They need some more star power, and they just need uh, solid starters. Defenses. Um, but it, it's hard to say that this, offense, this defense has been – Rebuilt, and it's hard to say that they've really steered in one direction yet without any um, real real commitment to to a player yet. But I think you know they they want to play more man coverage. I think inside they're trying to look for some uh, some good run defenders that 
they could play some odd front in and uh, be light in the box in um, while still being stout against a run. But it, it's just hard to say because they really haven't made any huge moves on defense yet. I, I mean, I think they're waiting until the draft, but right. it's hard to depend on draft prospects to just come in and be instant impact uh, players. So uh, I, I don't know if this is a year where they, they, they think they're going to fix the defense. Maybe they're just trying to um, put together a, a passable defense, but it, it you know, it, just look at the moves they, they, they've made. It's hard to say, you know, they're trying to go all in and, and really, really patch up this defense. David Long Jr. was a corner that they added. I mentioned Duke Shelley, and I know that games aren't played today, but if they were, could you see those guys being the two outside corners and maybe Nate Hobbs, Hobbs sliding back into the slot position? Yeah, I think so. I think if you just look at the roster now, it would make a lot of sense for those guys to start unless they uh, use a, an early draft pick on a corner. Ted, something I've got to ask you about the quarterbacks. I remember last time we had you on, we talked about Anthony Richardson a little bit. But have you seen anything different? I know he hasn't had his pro day yet, but with the three quarterbacks that have had their pro days that are in the top four, have you seen anything or maybe that's confirmed it with the pro days? Um, it's hard to say with pro days. I look at pro days more as confirmation that these guys are natural throwers. I mean, um, you, know, you hear about guys having great pro days all the time. It's, it's more of a concern if they don't have a great pro day. And that, that kind of gets your, your brain thinking a little bit. Uh, but just, you know, talking to people and, um, and talking to scouts and coaches, it, it just seems like Anthony Richardson is destined to be drafted pretty high. You know, like I think before the season and maybe even into the offseason a little bit, um, you're, you're thinking there's a chance he drops to seven. But the more you just hear about people talk about Anthony Richardson, it seems like uh, he might be gone within uh, the top three, top four picks. So, um, I, I think if the Raiders are interested in him, they, they probably have to make a trade up to that uh, three spot. In your humble opinion, do you think he's worth it? Uh, I mean, I think I, I love the tools. I, I love what I hear about him. I, you know, I love um, what I hear about his work ethic. And um, it's if you were just sitting at a number three pick, I think it'd be a, a no-brainer. I would take a shot. But I understand that for you to trade up means that you would have to give up more assets to get him. So it depends on how much you would have to trade up to get him. But if you're sitting there at three, you know, I would, I, I would take my shot on him all day. Ted Wynn is our guest from The Athletic right now talking about the Raiders, their team, the way it's been rostered, but the roster's been put together so far and trying to make a little bit of sense of it. And, Ted, let's go back to the cornerback position. And you mentioned, you know, we, we talked about uh, Duke Shelley, also talked about uh, David Long Jr., how they could be starters right now, but you would also have to dip into the draft. It, it, out of the guys like Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter, Devon Witherspoon, out of those big three guys, which one do you think fits Patrick Graham's scheme best? You know, I'll be honest with you, I have not taken an in-depth look at the cornerbacks just yet. I, I'm i a little late on my draft preparation because you know, <laughs> I do the Super Bowl, Super Bowl coverage and all yeah. that. So, like, after Super Bowl coverage, I'm just catching up. And I haven't got to the corners yet, so I can't give you a great answer on the corners. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that in an ideal world, uh, you get a press man type of corner for Patrick Graham. I think that's his preferred scheme if he could choose exactly, uh, you know, exactly what type of players he wants. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this, Ted. I mean, don't don't feel bad about not being uh, all the way up on the draft stuff right now. I mean, it's been such a busy offseason, and uh, the Raiders seem like they continue to be in the news. And, of course, you're covering the whole NFL, not just the silver and black. So I understand completely about that. What about defensive linemen, right? I mean, I mean, the Raiders need help on all elements and all areas of the defense. But uh, is there any particular defensive linemen edge, uh, defensive tackles that you may be looking at yet? 
I mean, you know, I, I know Jalen Carter is going to fall. <laughs> I think, <laughs> you know, it, it's no doubt he's going to fall to number seven. Uh, but I just think with all of the, um, all of, you know, the offseason trouble that the, the Raiders have had in recent years, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to choose him, but it's also tough to pass up on a, on a guy that talented too. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, when you're drafting that high and you're looking at interior prospects, I think um, that's the one guy that's talented enough to be drafted at, at, at seven. But at the same time, you know, the, the off-season, um, the, the off-field character stuff matters too, and it, it, it's going to be tough to get to draft a guy like him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know if he gets past number five in Seattle. I'm not too sure. I don't know if he gets past Detroit at six. I mean, there's a lot of different teams that I can see making an argument. Hell, I can see Arizona taking them at three if they do stay there. So it's going to be interesting. We're a little bit over a month away from the NFL draft, and I guess we'll get our answer then. Well, Ted, great stuff as always, man. Appreciate you. Again, your piece, what are the Raiders doing? Make sense of their offseason moves is on The Athletic right now. Anything else that you're working on that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, I'm working on a cowboy piece, and then I'm uh, working on a piece overall, just looking at the overall value of cornerbacks and how they just, you know, the value of cornerbacks have gone down. They're not not getting the deals that uh, we would think a top, typical top corners uh, make anymore, and I kind of uh, dive deep into why. Okay, okay, that's a great tease right there. You know, just kind of uh, expanding off of that, it feels like free agency is down. Like this year, it doesn't feel like teams rolled out as much big money as we've seen in, in, in past years. Is that something that you picked up on as well? Yeah, you know, we're, we're not seeing those market resetting deals that we've typically seen in the past. Um, you know, we see a lot of guys not getting the type of money they thought they would, so... Um, you know, I, I think that is a, um, I think that is happening, and you know, I wonder if the teams are just getting uh, smarter and not overpaying guys, or um, or maybe other positions are going to get more money um, later down the line, or maybe teams are al- allocating more money to different positions. So that's, that's something to watch out for. Yeah, for sure. J.C. Jackson right now is saying, "Whoo, got my bag!" Before they stop, uh, they stop buying us at uh, at high prices. Well, Ted, uh, thanks as always, man. We definitely appreciate you. Have a fantastic weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. No problem. Thanks for having me on. No doubt. There he goes. Ted Wynn from The Athletic on Twitter at FB underscore Film Analysis. And again, his piece, What Are the Raiders Doing? Making Sense of Their Offseason Moves. It's out on The Athletic right now. He put it out 10 hours ago. Uh, lots of really good stuff. And, and Damon, thank you for bringing this one to my attention. That was one that had got past me and I hadn't noticed. But I've, I, I promise you, man, this free agency does not feel like guys are getting money. Like, let's put it out there. C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I don't think anyone thought he was going to get a one-year deal up to $8 million with the, the Detroit Lions, but he did. I mean, that's that to me is just unbelievable. That's the kind of money a guy with that kind of production, especially creating turnovers like he did, uh, was able to get. So it just seems like everything's been down for the most part. Yeah, I want to get Ted on almost immediately as soon as he drops that next piece, you know, <laughs> because that is something that I feel like we've been talking about it for about a week now where, hey, man, it seems like every position is being devalued a little bit. Yep. A conversation the other day that let the show about cornerbacks, hey, yep. like, oh, don't you don't want to draft a corner in the first round. Pretty soon it's going to be what position besides quarterback is important to people <laughs> right. in football. Hey, look, you can't pay for nothing in this league but a quarterback. Everybody else, you're getting the blue light special. Yeah, right? <laughs> some positions got to be worth some money. Maybe edge rusher, but it can't just yeah. be two positions in football. Nothing else matters. You can you have some, you can have Jags all over the field, <laughs> but if you got just those two positions set, I don't care what we do. That that feels like what it's coming to. I know I'm over exaggerating, but geez. But no, you're you're close. I mean, it's not it's not like you're really far off. It's funny right now. You could say quarterbacks. 
guys that protect the quarterbacks and guys that get after the quarterbacks are the ones that are making the most money. Everybody else, they're on aisle nine, right? (laughs) (laughs) You need a safety? Aisle nine. Need a running back? Aisle nine. Need a uh, a guard? Oh no no guards are good guards are good he's on aisle ten he can make a little bit yeah he, yeah yeah but the tackles are on twelve <laughs> go to go to go to twelve if you want to tackle uh, oh a guy getting after the quarterback oh yeah he on twelve too right I mean it's like you're right you you bring up a great point man if you if this is a if this is a grocery store and you're going free agent shopping most of these positions are on the generic aisle I don't know if they even have the generic <laughs> aisle when you were coming up but that used to be the white label aisle when uh, we used to go to the store shout out to uh, Rayleigh's man back in Pittsburgh California shout out the Rayleigh supermarket. They had the white aisle, the generic aisle. Everything was a white label there. We used to shop there all the time. So we ain't going to the generic aisle no more. I'm just saying. There you go. We're going to Joe's, baby. Let's go. Can't wait. But no, it's just so funny to see. Even receiver, where if it's not like the top guys, if you're, we're not talking about a Devontae or yeah. a Tyreek Hill. Hey, man, anybody, you can develop that guy later on in the draft. Right. Yep. It seems like, well, it, even when it comes to drafting players, where it seems like every position, oh, you can find that. You don't need to draft that guy in the first round. You can find that later in the draft. Right. Well, who the hell are you going to draft in the first <laughs> round then? Every team just, we'll all trade back. Nobody. <laughs> well, who, what are you going to pick at 20? I don't know. I'll just trade back. <laughs> yeah, we'll all trade back. And then eventually somebody's going to be at 20 and be like, oh, shoot, got to draft somebody. <laughs> 319 is the time. Great stuff from Ted. Great stuff from Damon. And we want to hear great stuff from you. 702-365-9200. That's our Raider Nation listener line. Also, our Dobybroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Raider Nation, we're taking the temperature of you today on this Friday. It's beautiful outside. What's the temperature on the inside? Let us know about it. After two weeks of free agency, how are you feeling about this team, the direction that they're going, the signings that they've made, and the preparation that they're doing as they get ready for the draft in April? Again, 69187. 187 keyword R&R and 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Joining us at 3.30, Jason Horowitz, the voice of the silver and black. He's also part of Westwood One. Their coverage of NCAA hoops, March Madness action. Sweet 16 was sweet. (laughs) K-State gets past Michigan State. Gonzaga knocks off UCLA and destroys my bracket, but what a great game. Jason is doing all the studio work with Westwood One with, along with Doug Gottlieb, and he's doing a fantastic job, so he'll join us at 3.30. We'll dip into some Raider talk with him as well. I mean, again, he's the voice of the silver and black. But uh, we want to hear from you, Raider Nation, at 702-365-9200. Don't be broke.com, text sign 69187, keyword R&R. Just trying to gauge the temperature of Raider Nation right now after two weeks of free agency. How are you feeling about the direction that the team is going, what the moves that the Raiders have made as they're preparing themselves for the draft coming up at the end of April? And clearly they're preparing themselves for the draft coming up at the end of April. Jim and Yonkers said, go get Bobby Wagner. That's on the don'tbebroke.com text line. He also said, thank you for a great show. Uh, also, we got one from the 408. Last year, Vic thought the Raiders were going to do a whole lot of winning. This year, he says a whole lot of losing, so I don't put much into that. Someone from the 530 said, I agree 100%. Who could determine a win-now team in March? Uh, and let's see, what else? Also, uh, Jim from Yonkers said, talking about Jadavion Clowney, actually Clowney made a great play against us in the playoff game uh, with Connor Cook when he had to start against uh, the Raiders when, uh, or against the Texans when D.C. had broke his leg. That was back in 2016. Then he said, as far as Stidham, we lost a draft pick for a guy who played two games. Wonder why that happened. Signed Cam on defense. Why not Bobby Wagner? Thanks for a great show, Q&D. Have a great weekend. And then the best text of all from the 619 Steak sale for Mr. Cotton. 
Apparently, there's a steak sale out there for you, Demond. Like twelve steaks for thirty bucks or something like that. Whatever that little graphic was. Did you see that one? I did see that one, and you know what? It's funny, but it sounds like a great deal to me. <laughs> I mean. Have you never bought steaks off the side of the street, Q? Uh, I've never bought steaks off the side of the street. You no. ain't never seen the guy that's out there in the meat truck and it's like, hey, man, you can. No, dude, you don't buy steaks off the side of the road. You but it's do like not, a whole no. pack, you know, that, no. that you put them in the freezer, no, use no, whatever now, you want. If you have the guy that's in the truck that comes to your house and everything is in a nice refrigerated thing, yeah, okay, and it's all vacuum sealed, all that, yeah, I can yeah, see so, that. Yeah, it, no, what, no, what matters if he comes to your house because, or if you find him on the side of the street? Because you found him on the side of the street. You said it. If you find a guy on the side of the street, you don't buy steaks from him. Matter of fact, you don't even know where the hell those steaks came from. Who amongst us haven't? Okay, call in, because I know we've all been, well, maybe I, not you, I but haven't. we've all been there once or twice. No, we get, we get a box of steaks right now. The wife gets them all the time. We get a box of meat. I don't even know exactly who is, who's the company is. I don't get paid to uh, endorse them, so I'm not going to shout them out. But uh, I don't know who it is, but we get a box of meat that comes to the house, and it's great. Right, but we know where it's coming from. You don't even know where it's coming from, but let me tell you something, Q. What? That same fancy delivery service that y'all paying for? Yeah. It's the same dude. It's the same dude that's hooking me up on no, the street. No, the dude that's hooking you up on the side of the road is probably, uh, yeah, he's probably doing 25 to life, uh, you know, or else he might be well, on. This is uh, how he's turning his life around. Yeah, yeah, turn, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not, again, I'm worried about where that meat's coming from, dude. <laughs> You don't make no sense. This is not a continuous thing, people, but it did happen once. But call in if you've ever bought meat off side of the street. Come on. You also bought a steak from the dollar store. And it and it messed with your insides for about a week. So there's that. I got the iron stomach. You think, yeah. you, you, you think you got the baby stomach if you're out here eating dollar steaks? You build up a tolerance. You know, it's like the people that's like, give me the germs so I won't get sick. I'm like that with, with cheap meat. You know, just give me all the cheap meat, and my body will build up a tolerance. That's what we're going to start calling you. You call yourself Cowboy Cotton on Twitter. We're going to call you Demond Cheap Meat Cotton. Demond Cheap Meat. Hey, Cheap Meat. <laughs> That's what we're going to start calling you. Let's go out to the phone line, 702-365-9200. Raider Dave in Denver, welcome to the show, my man. Tell me something good. Oh, my, my goodness, man. You know, uh, grass-fed in Colorado takes out a whole other connotation. But anyway, um, <laughs> You know, I, I kind of, like all the Raider Nation, you sort of wonder which direction they're really going to go. And I think throughout uh, free agency, we've sort of been led a little bit, and we can kind of figure it out now. And D.C. said something earlier about it to where the cornerbacks are not as expensive as the D linemen. So if you get a D lineman versus a cornerback early in the draft, you're probably going to go ahead and save money right off the bat uh, for what that player is going to cost you versus taking a top, you know, uh, corner. Right. And I think that the way that they've had, they've been grabbing corners from all over the place lately. And I think if you look at it that way, they're doing that because they need to solidify that position more. And they probably won't take a corner, uh, at seventh pick or drop back to ninth or whatever they want to do. I think they're really going to take a D lineman right there. And one of them is economics. And two, that's, that's where you just can't find that talent. And if you're going to go ahead and get a vet, the vet defensive end is going to be way more expensive than the vet corner that you'd be looking at. Now, we had seven new starters the last season and the season before. And with you, if, if Hobb becomes a starter, then you've got Jones and, and Crosby. That's three. So you're looking at eight new starting defenders on this defense. I don't know if they really have ever been satisfied how they rebuilt the right side of the offensive line. Mm -hmm. so I think that's something that they're definitely going to have to get some 
some depth for, but the, the moves that they've made to bring some people back that kind of surprised others, I think all of it can just be said as economical talent. And I think that's really what you look at Jimmy G, what you look at with uh, who they've retained, that they could retain. It's a bummer that Foster's not going to be able to, to come back. Perriman got picked up. There's, there's people, you know, all over the place. But you kind of wonder, it's like, well, why did they pick up Teamer? Why did they go ahead and keep a couple of these guys? And it's, I think it's just economic talent. They're going to have to go ahead and do that so they could spread this $20 million that everybody's getting for each team on top of the salary cap to go a little further and get deep. they got 90 players they got to put together. That's why you're seeing some of these moves. I like it. Good stuff. Great breakdown. Raider Dave in Denver. Good to hear from you, my man. I know you're coming to town pretty soon. When you do, let us know, man. We'll definitely, uh, you know, definitely want to link up and, uh, you know, kind of show you around the spot. But, uh, yeah, that's good stuff, man. Really good feedback. And, and I think that there's a lot that, of that that's going around about the, you know, the economics of it. And, and look, that's something that Vinny told us very early in this whole process. Don't expect to see the Raiders go out and break the bank for anybody. And really, it's funny. They're not breaking the bank for anybody, but the rest of the league isn't really breaking the bank either so I mean it's not just a Raider thing it's kind of an everybody thing and again I've said it so many times that the worst way and this is not something that I've always believed this is something that I had to learn right I mean everything is not what it always looks like at first I used to be that guy that would be waiting up when it was the first day of the tampering period all right who's my team gonna sign who's who's the Raiders gonna sign who are they gonna sign who are they gonna make go get that guy go and spend all the money and I thought that that meant championships are on the way because they signed that guy with the big name and they spent the most money well Unfortunately, it's not the New York Yankees, right? You can't you can't go and just buy a championship in the NFL. You got to put it all together, and free agency is not the way to try to build an NFL team. It just isn't, and it, and it stinks because there's teams, many teams that have tried to do it. It just ultimately does not work. So uh, Raider Dave in Denver, great call. Definitely appreciate you. Did get one text, and we'll take a quick break and get to Jason Horowitz, Raiders play-by-play voice and also part of Westwood One. This is from Raider Chavez in the 916 at Sacramento, California. I bought steaks off a truck before like DeMond. It was horrible once defrosted. Never again. Raider Chavez in the 916. There you go, DeMond. I'm telling you. Don't do it, dude. Come on, man. The 916 ain't hooking it up the way the 775 is. I got these out in Pahrump. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, man, look, I don't want to disrespect the fine folks of Pahrump, but, man, I, I would love to know what the hell they even sold you in Pahrump, brother. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm like Raider Dave Endeavor. You know, corn, corn. what do you say, grass-fed grass, grass fed and all that good? Yeah, I'm rocking with him, man. That's where I'm I'm trusting that the meat's a little bit better than whatever you got in from the truck in the side of Perump's Roads. I'm just saying. 3.33 is the time. When we come back, Jason Horowitz will join the show. We'll talk some silver and black, but we're deep diving into the March Madness. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio. Right now, I'm watching some uh, NCAA action, Sweet 16 action when it comes to the women's side of things. And LSU and Utah are knotted up at 39. Utah knocked off, or excuse me, LSU knocked off Michigan, who knocked off UNLV early in the tournament. But uh, knotted up at 39, 503 left to go in the third corner. NCAA Sweet 16, Greenville Regional 2 in the women's tournament. Joining us now on the phone lines is the voice of the silver and black. That's Jason Horowitz, our good friend. He's also part of the Westwood One broadcast, taking care of the men's side of things when it comes to the NCAA tournament. We'll get into some Raiders conversation, Jason. We do appreciate you, but I got to start with the March Madness and Sweet 16, and let's start off with some action we saw last night. How about K-State knocking off Michigan State in overtime? How great of a performance and game was that? Well, 
Well, let's start with the fact that the 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 fact that Marquise Noel put on that show, and there still was a competition for Player of the Day because of what Drew Timmy did. <laughs> right. Like that just goes to show how awesome yesterday was. I I didn't think you know someone asked me earlier this week how does how does the Sweet Sixteen and the Elite Eight live up to the 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 momentum and the juice of the first weekend? Like, and we always kind of get that. Because there's always something special, whether it's a Cinderella or, you know, the last couple of years a 15th seed or whatever it is. There's always something special to, to make it. But, like, the Sweet 16s and the Elite 8s generally are the really good teams all year that give you the good, the good stuff, the good games, right? The memorable ones, the Christian Leitner Kentuckys, the other ones like that. And you had two unbelievable games last night, and you, you said start off with K-State. I mean... Holy heck, dude! To, to break the record for most assists in 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 NCAA tournament single game history and to tie it on an alley oop where you're not looking at the hoop because you're talking to your coach and probably it was a play that was drawn up like that. I mean, holy, holy cow! Amazing. Right? No, it was. It was fantastic, and it's funny. I I, lo- I look at Demond and I start laughing and say, "Look, he's five foot eight. He could do it too. You could." Do- <laughs> <laughs> but no. yeah, but did not. But Demond's not yoked up like that. I don't think Demond. Demond skips leg day. <laughs> wow! The disrespect. <laughs> the disrespect is real. But no, going back to that play, and I'm a big Jerome Tang guy. I, I followed him and covered him when he was an assistant coach there at Baylor under Scott Drew. He in his first year there at K-State has got them to the Elite Eight when they were picked last. K-State was picked dead last for the Big 12. What about Jerome Tang as a head coach? Just what he's been able to do with that Wildcat program. Well, it's a couple of things. It, you know, and this has been well documented um, throughout the season, but you know, let, let's be honest. A lot of people don't cover or follow college basketball till February and some even till March. Um, so the stories get retold. Jerome Tang took the job. He had two players left on his team. He had five when they got to August. School starts in September. Right. Actually, Kansas, I don't know what Kansas' school, uh, college, uh, public university schedule is. Maybe they start in August. So, like, he had to get guys on the roster, and, and, and the athletic director there, Gene Taylor, who's, you know, he was a great athletic director at North Dakota State, has done a wonderful job at Kansas State as well. Like, aren't you concerned? Aren't you worried? He's like, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're going to get guys. We just got to get the right guys. And, you know, look, I, a lot of coaches take a lot of transfers, and it doesn't work. He took a lot of transfers, and obviously it worked. And whether it's because they believe in him and what he sells, which is, you know, remember, he was the guy when they beat Kansas who stood up on the table and said, hey, stop screaming, you know, whatever they were, you know, blank, blank, KU, and start screaming about how much you love us. Mm-hmm. You don't get that a lot. Right. That's his vibe. And, you know, Scott Drew, for whatever he is, some coaches like him, some coaches don't like him, whatever, he has done a phenomenal job in college basketball in creating a program at Baylor 20 years removed from a program where one player murdered another and they weren't even allowed to play non-conference games. Yep. And they are national champions in a perennial powerhouse. And to your point, Jerome Tang was on that staff for 19 years. And so he is a likable personality that people are going to root for, and clearly guys are going to want to play for it. Yeah, yeah, and they're playing for him right now as they're marching on to the Elite Eight, and it was just a lot of fun to watch that and just watch how it all unfolds. So shout-out to Coach Tang and uh, K-State, what they're able to do. Again, we're talking with Jason Horowitz right now, talking a little March Madness here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Demond's got one for you. What is going on with FAU? 
They, I don't want to see <laughs> Why FAU. Why you so angry at not allowed in the state of Tennessee again. <laughs> I don't want to hear FAU as they take down my beloved Memphis and now Tennessee. Are they the official Cinderella of this tournament? So that's an interesting question. First of all, like Cinderellas aren't usually the villains at some point in the tournament, right? That doesn't happen. Right. Um, and they were the villain because, you know, when a 16 seed is opposite a 9, usually that 9, well, first of all, it's only ever happened once, and that 9 seed the first time was Kansas State. And so, you know, when that usually happens, the, the, it's a power 5 school, right? When we've seen 15 seeds move on to face a 7 or a 10, usually that team is a power 5 school or a Big East school. So everyone is rooting for that team. Um, and so FAU kind of slid into that role, even though nobody knew about FAU until this year from a basketball perspective. They were still the villain because everyone's like, oh, 16 feet, FDU, what is an FDU? Blah, 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 you know, all of that stuff, right? And so they go into that game against Tennessee, and nobody's really talking about them, and they are a really good basketball team, dude. Mm-hmm. They're 34-3. and the metrics, the predictive metrics, the Ken Palm ratings, the net rankings, they've been top 20, top 25 in that all year long, which means they probably would have made the tournament even if they lost Conference USA's championship game to UAB. By the way, UAB is coming to Las Vegas for the NIT semifinals. So Boom. the Conference USA uh, tournament has really – and so is North Texas too. Yep. So you got that. Um, but, like, they're a really good basketball team. And, I, you know – I don't think they can beat Kansas State because unlike Tennessee, Kansas State actually has a really good pulse offensively, and Tennessee doesn't. Tennessee's just a bully on the block who plays good defense. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you're in the Elite Eight, so who knows? Right, right. Who cares at that point? You're in the Elite Eight, man. You're playing with house money. Gonzaga, they got the win over UCLA. Why you got to bring up that, though? I mean, come on, Q. Is that I know they were, your, now? No, that I, they were your favorite, but come on, Q. Wait a second. That was Wait a hell a of a game. You, yes. you, you didn't go to UCLA. I didn't go to you school. You didn't grow up in Los Angeles. <laughs> Why are you a UCLA fan? No, you know what? I became a prisoner of the moment when I was watching the Pac-12 championship game and I saw Arizona and UCLA, and so somehow, Jason, so when I was filling out my bracket, those two ended up in the same, or they ended up in the championship game, and I thought, this is never going to happen, but I rocked with UCLA anyway. Obviously, Arizona dipped out because Princeton, the smart guys, they went and knocked them off immediately, and then now UCLA lost to Gonzaga, but what a classic the game was. Yeah, how awesome was that, right? And, like, for some reason, and, and they've played other regular season games, and like, they've met other games, and some of those games are really good, too, but, you know, there are three now iconic NCAA tournament games in the last 15, 17 years involving those two schools. Two of them in the Sweet 16 in a 2-3 game, and the other one in the Final Four uh, when it was all played in the bubble in Indianapolis. I mean, you think about the UCLA down 17, comes back to beat Gonzaga in 06, and everyone remembers Adam Morrison crying. Yeah. And then you think about the game where they were in 11 seed, first four to final four two years ago, and they go to overtime, and Jalen Suggs beats him on a 40-footer at the buzzer. And then you go last night where Gonzaga stunk. They, like, it's Drew, Timmy, and nothing else in the first half. He had, 30, uh, he had 19 of their 33. He had taken 55% of their shots. UCLA playing without two of their three best defenders were like, hey, you guys give Drew Timmy the ball every time, and we're going to have four different guys score, and we're going to win. And it worked until the other guys got going. And even at that, the freshman Amari Bailey hit a shot to go back up with 12 seconds only to see Julian Strother 
drill a thirty footer. Right. I mean, what an what an epic game in Las Vegas, and and you know now it's Gonzaga and UConn, and I think UConn again. This is what we were just talking about with New York. I think UConn has been the best team in the tournament at least three straight games, um, and how dominant they have been, and what they have, and how good they have been really all year. And I think they're going to beat Gonzaga. But I don't really know anything anymore, nor <laughs> right. did I ever. <laughs> right. And none of us do. And Strother, the Las Vegas kid, how cool was that? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I mean, yeah. come on now. And, and it, I mean, how great is that, right? A Las Vegas kid coming back in a city that wasn't allowed to be in the tournament. Or it really, it was like, we can't, we can't have college. There can't be college in Las Vegas. Right. And, and I, think, I think 30 years ago, you probably understand it. 20 years ago, you probably understand it. But today... Las Vegas is the set, is almost the center of the college world. Mm-hmm. All right, the second half of the Sweet 16, the games today, which one do you think is going to be the most exciting? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Good luck. So, so I think Miami has the talent to play with Houston, um, but I don't think they are, and they are a pretty good defensive team. I don't think they're physically tough enough. Dude, like Indiana's not physically tough. They have talent, but they're not physically tough. And 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 in Miami, where they have twenty offensive rebounds, twenty seven second chance points, something like that. And Mike Woodson afterwards, like, hey, our guys whine too much, and we don't play hard enough, or whatever. You're not going to get that from Houston, right? And Sasser's healthy, and those guys are like, I, Houston saw its scare. They came back from ten down against Auburn. I think that's going to be a Houston win. I think the game that nobody's talked about this week that probably is going to be tougher than people expect is the San Diego uh, State-Alabama game. Mm. San Diego State is a whole bunch of 22-, 23-year-old dudes who can guard all different positions. They've got back-to-back defensive players of the year in the Mountain West. They've got enough offense. Matt Bradley's the only guy that scores double figures, but they can share the basketball. And they are a bunch of dudes who have had a lot of time to try and get past this moment because none of them had won a tournament game. And now they've won two. And Brian Dutcher said it. Hey, we're not celebrating. We're here to go beat you down. And, you know, Alabama may run them off the floor. I don't know. They got a lot of talent. They got a lot of NBA talent. And, and you know, obviously we know the off-the-court stuff with Brandon Miller, but they certainly have on-the-court talent and all the other stuff. Um, but I think that's the game that people haven't talked about this week that might turn out to be a really good game. Mm. You know what? First, I want to congratulate you. Thank you for saying what needed to be said about San Diego State. They went through the Mountain West because they got 25-year-olds on the court. Look at All this right? guy. This guy. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait Jeez. a second. Jeez. A lot of teams have 23, 24-year-olds on the court. The guys we watched for Kansas State last night, and again, part of this is the COVID year, and part of this is, you know, in the case of Keontae Johnson, he collapsed on the floor and was in a coma and had to sit out of basketball for two years. So there's so, that. But, but, like, a lot of teams have 23-, 24-year-old dudes. It's the era we are in right now because of the COVID year that was given back to everybody. I don't know why people – why does that bother people? Like, I guess he's a, he's he's got a narrative and and <laughs> Why does that bother you? Everybody's a, playing under the same rules. He's a UNLV guy, and he's just salty that UNLV didn't come out the Mountain West, and that was on them. They started out 10-0 and 0 and then couldn't win a game. They couldn't beat me and you after at a certain point. Bradley, well, Bradley, I mean, yeah, listen, listen, dude. <laughs> I've covered the Mountain West multiple times. I was in San Diego three weeks before COVID started to call UNLV, snapping – the 26-0 and 0 start. I don't know that Brian Detcher will ever let me come back to San Diego. But, like, 
I'm pretty sure, if memory serves me right, they had a whole bunch of fourth and fifth year guys on that team too. Right. So, exactly. They're not alone. Come on. <laughs> right. He knows. He knows. J- Jason. He knows better. He just. He just talking. I have an agenda. Okay. That's. I'll say it. <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, he's hey. Well played. As long as hey. The first key is admission, exactly. and you've got that down. Well done. Exactly. Well, Jason, it's always great catching up with you, man. We don't even have to get into the Raiders talk because, well, March Madness is fantastic. We got all offseason to talk some Raiders. So you, you didn't want to ask me about how excited I am that Keelan Cole is back? <laughs> no, we'll get into that next time. We'll get into that <laughs> next time, I promise you, and then we'll see what else is going on when it comes to free agency, and we'll start talking about the draft as well, Jason. I've been working on my kids getting to spell Garoppolo correctly. We're not there yet. We're working on it. There it is. Well, hey, have some great time on the call, man. We appreciate you doing a fantastic job on Wesley One. You're the best. See you guys. There he goes, Jason Horowitz. Definitely appreciate him. And mentioned Alabama, San Diego State, the South Region, Sweet 16 action right now. It's knotted up at 8 with 12.05 to go in the first half. And this LSU and Utah game on the women's side of things. Whoa, Nelly, like my late great-grandmother would say, this one is getting a little interesting. Man, I think that LSU came in thinking these Utah girls can't do nothing to us, and Utah is giving them a taste of their own medicine. This one's going to be a nail-biter. So a lot of great action going on in college hoops, a lot of great action going on when it comes to sports in general. 349 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back, close out hour number two. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. 50-47 to 47 LSU leads right now on the women's side of things. Third-ranked LSU going up against the number two seed in Utah. 7.52 left to go on that one. That's a close one. Their star, Angel Reese, she just went out with what looks like a big-time cramp. But there's 7 minutes, 52 seconds left to go in that one. On the men's side of things, when it comes to San Diego State and Alabama, the one seed versus the five seed, it's 11-11 uh, with 10.56 left to go in the first half. So we'll update you on the scores of all the action going on throughout the rest of the course of the show. Many thanks to Jason Horowitz. Join us in the last segment. Coming up in the next segment to kick off hour number three, we'll have Mike Clay from ESPN. He'll take a look at things from the analytics side of things. And, you know, Damon, I just heard that Meet Up Vegas commercial. That's who you need to call, Meet Up Vegas. And I don't know. I got to see what the prices are looking like because about the thing about, you know, getting your meat off the side of the road is, you know, the <laughs> affordable prices. None of that so, even <laughs> sounded right. None of that, even, none of that sounded right. My man said, getting your meat off the side of the road. All right. I'm good. This is a family show. So as DeMond <laughs> is being Mr. Cheap Meat, and we got a text about cheap meat from my guy Robin Oakland, dobybroke.com text line at 69187 keyword R&R. Cheap meat sounds like what we've been signing in free agency. I can see what they're doing and was surprised they didn't start this last season. I've watched Big Splash signings fail over and over for more than three decades, and I'm okay with something different. I'm sick and tired of losing and really hope this works out long term. That's from Rob in Oakland, and that's the thing about it. A lot of people are uh, we're up in arms. I think I, Again, I said it at the, at the beginning of the show, I feel like the temperature is really changing with Raider Nation. I think more people are getting on board with what's going on. I think more people are willing to give the GM and, uh, you know, Champ Kelly as well, the assistant GM, and Joshua Daniels, uh, Patrick Graham, I think they're get, willing to give them the benefit of the doubt to at least attempt at putting this thing together and then judge them after we see what happens. Right, And that's where I've been the whole time. Like, hey, I'm just going to wait, take a, take a step back, watch what they do, 
We'll talk about it, obviously, what they do, see how it all works, how it gets put together, and then judge it by what we see on the field. And I think more and more people are taking that approach. I just think in free agency, it feels like everyone just thinks it's a free-for-all. It's like, uh, you know, the floodgates are open. You open the door and just go, but it doesn't work like that. And so this team is taking this approach not to go and make a bunch of big splashes and hope that they work or go get some guys with some names and give them a bunch of money like they did with Chandler Jones. And I think everyone, including Chandler Jones, would, would tell you that – they didn't get return on investment a season ago. I think Chandler's a hell of a guy. Uh, I, I trust everybody in that locker room when they say that he did some great things that we never saw because it was on the practice field and he helped lead. I get it. But at the end of the day, it's a production-based business, right? And, and, and the production just wasn't there for the money that they gave him, and uh, they just didn't get the return on investment. So they're taking a different approach this year, and I think that that's okay. Yeah, for me and also with the fan base, I think that you can have that cooler head that once you look around the league and say, well, nobody's spending that big money. Then no, there, no, there, were, there are no guys that maybe you wish you would have had them. Hey, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you say, oh, why didn't we spend that $8 million? But there's no big-time free agent out there that the right. Raiders could have had him or he would have made that big of a difference because, as we've been talking about all show, who, shoot, since free agency started, there's no, there's that guy isn't available on the market right now. Right. I, I mean, know. Yeah. No, someone mentioned Bobby Wagner earlier, but yeah, is Bobby Wagner really going to move the needle? You know, I, I think in in um, that was our guy in Yonkers. Uh, our guy Jim in Yonkers hit us up and said something about uh, Bobby Wagner, and I've mentioned him a couple times myself. I think he would provide a lot because I do think that he's still got a lot left in the tank. My question is, is it the the right amount of money? Right? Because again, he he's going to get a nice a nice chunk of change is it worth the chunk of change that they'd have to give him right i mean again we talk about return on investments is it whatever they're going to get back for the stage of the game that they're in right now is that worth it right i think that's the i think that's what you have to ask yourself and i think that's what dave ziegler and company had to ask themselves okay bobby wagner great addition yes is it going to be the return on investment that we need? And eh, maybe not because of this is where we're at right now. Maybe we'd rather go ahead and get someone a little bit younger and let them have an opportunity to grow. Again, we, we don't talk about Devon Diablo, but he was a guy that had high expectations going into last season. He got injured, and you know you never really saw him. He hit injured reserve and, and never came back. I don't know if he's going to end up being a long-term guy. He might not. You know, He was a, a project that when they, when they drafted him, and it wasn't this staff. It was the pre- previous staff. Uh, he had a position change, and he looked like he was really doing a, a decent job with that. But he has to continue to grow as well. There's a lot of guys that this is going to be a big year for them, and I think that he could be one of them. So maybe they're counting on him to be a player uh, and, and really help out in that linebacker room. But then at the same time, he's got to prove that he could be that guy. So, uh, Rob in Oakland, thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. 3.57 is the time. When we come back, we'll kick off hour number three of the show. Just like that, where did the time go? Mike Clay from ESPN. He'll join us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.